You're listening to the Royal Flying Doctor Service podcast for the Queensland section. This episode is brought to you by the Small Talk Big Difference campaign. Hello and welcome to the Small Talk Big Difference podcast. I'm Dr Tim Driscoll, Manager of the Outback Mental Health Team for the Royal Flying Doctor Service Queensland section. Today I'll be speaking with Stephanie Donovan, a Senior Mental Health Clinician in Disaster Recovery for the Sunshine Coast Hospital and Health Service. Across her career, Stephanie has worked in impacted communities of natural disasters, including supporting the Lockyer Valley community following the 2011 floods, northern Queensland after Cyclone Yassi, and the Sunshine Coast community after the 2019 bushfires. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Before we get started today, uh, Stephanie, we'd like to kick things off with a bit of a small talk starter. Uh, so can you tell me what hobby or activity you'd like to do more? Uh, I'd like to... Uh do a bit more travel um, moving forward. I uh, haven't done much travel um, for quite a long time now, so um, it would be really lovely to do a bit uh, more of that um, in the next few years, possibly. Fantastic. Well, I guess things are opening up, so it's a good opportunity, huh? Hey? Yeah, definitely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your role with Queensland Health and the program that you deliver? I uh, So I've been delivering a mental health disaster recovery program uh, over the past couple of years. It's uh, had two different objectives. Um, one of those has been to provide uh, mental health um, and psych- psychological support to people who are affected by the 2019 bushfires. And the other aspect to the role has been uh, to build the capacity of our community and first responder populations to be able to be psychologically resilient in the face of uh, future disasters. Uh, so that's looked like uh, doing workshops, presentations, uh, or education sessions around uh, resilience um, within the role, protecting against psychosocial hazards, uh, such as secondary traumatic stress, vicarious trauma, um, managing people in distress, uh, providing psychological first aid uh, to groups um, such as people uh, that work for the councils within the um, local government areas, uh, people who work in community centres, GPs, uh, child safety officers, domestic and family violence counsellors, people who are health professionals and doing um, frontline work. So within your work in disaster-affected communities, uh, what advice would you give people to enhance their psychological resilience? The the, the first um, point I would make is, is, is seeking help as early as possible and, and reaching out and, and getting that support. Um, people, we, we know that a, a person's uh, mental well-being uh, prior to a disaster will impact upon their capacity to um, cope when a disaster or any other um, adverse um, life event comes along. So your 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 mental well-being now will affect your capacity to be resilient um, in the future when something else comes along. So if if you are if you are finding that you're um, that you're experiencing some um, mental ill health, that it's really important to to not to not wait. Rather, as soon as possible, go and and um, 
make, make some do some actions that will support your feeling more mentally well within yourself um, because that's going to be really supportive of your resilience. Um, take care of yourself now. Um, you know, build a repertoire of uh, helpful coping strategies so that you've got them on board to be able to support you to manage um, manage the impact, the the psychological impact of a disaster if if that happens in the future. Um, so for you know, for example, so so know what works for you um, in terms of your your how you normally manage um, stress or adversity in your life having having a, a repertoire of skills and strategies um, and and as inclusive of, of support network to be able to support you and and help you be able to um, cope through something is important for your resilience moving forward the other um, the other point I would make is around those social relationships and 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 connection. So uh, we know that um, having a having positive um, or, or helpful social support networks is really protective um, in terms of mental health after a disaster or any other adversity. So nurturing relationships with people that feel like they're um, positive relationships for you and 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 investing in those relationships and nurturing them over time so that they are available for you um, and you can and you can uh, and you can call on those relationships um, or seek some support from the people those those particular individuals when you need it um, the other point I would make is do what you can now to increase your sense of control um, and and preparation for a uh, for a disaster. So do what you can to um, that's within your control to mitigate your risks um, around future disasters. So do the things that help to protect your property. Um, have your plans ready um, and your checklists ready in terms of responding to some kind of event. Think through what, um, think through those scenarios now and consider what you, what, what you would need in those situations um, and do the do the actions that help to mitigate your risk um, to your property and to yourselves in terms of being in term in terms of of risk um, if a disaster does come along. So those those things I would say are really really important with regards to looking after your um, with regards to you just supporting your resilience. So, so for some people, uh, their experience of a natural disaster can be potentially traumatic. Uh, what are some of the common reactions to a potentially traumatic experience? And what advice would you give to people if they continue to experience some of those reactions? Uh, so initially, uh, it's it is normal for people to experience a great deal of uh, shock, uh, feel disorientated, uh, feel like they're unable to think clearly, unable to integrate information. Um, 
once those initial reactions subside, people can experience a range of different reactions and responses. Um, so, you know, that may include intense feelings of anxiety, um, nervousness, grief, irritability, um, anger outbursts, uh, low mood, uh, disturbed sleep. Um, often people have a lot have difficulty sleeping, um, disturbed eating patterns. So they might be um, might notice the appetite has changed. They might somebody might notice they feel more socially withdrawn, um, yeah, or they're avoiding um, people or places that might be associated with that particular um, traumatic event, or it might be avoiding feeling or thinking about it. Um, other people will. Other people who tend to have um, stress, a stress response um, manifest in a more of a somatic way will notice that they um, will find that they might find they have more body aches and um, headaches and uh, gastrointestinal issues or, or so, so they, they may find some of those physical um, changes in themselves. Um, people may notice a greater sensitivity um, to environmental factors. Um, they may feel hypervigilant, uh, on edge. Um, some people may find themselves experiencing intrusive memories of the particular event. So uh, nightmares, uh, flashbacks, intrusive thoughts during the day when they're not focusing on that. Um, periods uh, in t time, at times where they feel like they have uh, marked uh, a distress reaction to um, cues within their environment, danger cues that 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 symbolise or resemble an aspect of the traumatic event or symbolise or resemble an onset of it. Um, other people may find that they feel um, more more often more uh, spacing numb um, and find that they're they're experiencing um, some dissociative symptoms. Um, so it can it can vary a little bit from person to person. Um, for the majority of people, though, the, the trauma-related rea um, reactions will subside within a month um, period. Uh, so that's important to know because they're obviously quite a, it's obviously quite a scary experience having those types of um, symptoms and reactions. So it's important to note that. For the majority of people, those um, reactions will subside within a month um, period. Um, a minority uh, will, of people will go on to develop longer term mental health problems, or um, such as, for example, such as PTSD. Um, but uh, you know, certainly, if if a person did notice that they that they continued to have those kind of reactions, um, and say beyond that month or they not or they found those reactions very distressing or impairing their functioning that would be that would be a, a sign that they might need some professional um, support to be able to support them through that and also um, will you know benefit from having the their support from their personal um, support network people in this personal support network as well um, other people will will be able to uh, recover from that within that period with um, doing the things that they would normally do to really look after themselves. So that might be for some people, it's um, doing doing movement, um, do, 
you know, keep keeping an exercise routine, um, doing going back to some 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 familiar activities um, in the day to day, uh, connecting in with positive social support, um, doing some soothing um, strategies that help to make you feel more calm and um, grounded and those things might that people might have different strategies for that. Um, talking to talking to someone um, that's a right fit for you and at the right time. So and that may differ from person to person, but it can often be it, it's it's often very helpful to 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 reach out and talk to someone about the experience and have somebody have somebody um, ideally to be able to um, help help you make some meaning of that um, in a in a helpful way um, is useful. Um, in terms of advice for advice for parents um, of children, so support. Um, support yourself as as parents support yourself emotionally um it is first is really important um and then when you're able to regulate your emotions um so meaning to show some emotion be it, but be able to feel like you can regulate that emotion talk to your children about the event um it helps them to create a narrative of the event um and with a hopeful endpoint um, so they are able to that they would they will want to talk about the event um, and being able to provide them with a safe uh, a safe base to be able to do that uh, is helpful. Use um, making sure to use age appropriate language and uh, level of detail. Uh, be be clear and concise um, with kids and avoid euthanisms. Um, so be tr be truthful and honest about the the in the narrative, um, and and certainly look again seek that some professional support if you if people are finding that they um, it's the reactions are very intense or it's impairing their functioning doing and engagement in things in domains of their life like they normally would be, um, or it's or it's been ongoing and continuing. A an example of that. Um, may also be uh, if you're finding that you are experiencing you, you think you're you're going along okay and you notice a little bit down the track that you're um, finding that you've you're experiencing intrusive memories of the event um, that's being triggered by cues of danger associated with the onset or or during that particular traumatic event um, so some of those things may be more e easily identifiable, um, such as is smell, certain smells, um, sounds, certain sights, for example, control burn-offs or um, smell of smoke in the air, heavy uh, heavy rainfall, um, anniversaries of events. Um, other 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 triggers may be a little bit harder to um, identify. But if you if you're finding that you're having if you thought you were going along okay and then you're finding that you're having intense um, periods of whereby you're experiencing distress or you're noticing that you're um, experiencing some symptoms where you're to help you're not feeling as mentally well then that would be a good signpost to seek some professional support and when I uh, it, when I say professional support 
contacting your GP and hopefully hopefully you've got a GP that you've uh, that you routinely see and that you've built up a bit of a relate a um, built up a bit of a relationship with and and that feels like a right fit for you uh, so going and talking to them um, about what you're experiencing is is a really good first step um, and they will be able to help you look at some different options in terms of seeking some uh, other support such as seeing a uh, psychologist um, or another mental health uh, professional that might be able to provide some evidence-based treatments um, for uh, associated with uh, trauma. So, so for people that hadn't uh, seen a psychologist, for example, which is your background, um, what would they expect in that session? I mean, many people have sort of, um, you know, they don't know what to expect. Sometimes there's some anxiety about going to see a psychologist. And um, do, do, can you give us a, just a bit of an overview on, on what it's like for someone going to see a psychologist, perhaps after a natural disaster for the first time and what might be involved? Yes. Yeah, so the when you, when you go and see a psychologist, uh, they will um, they will have read some information about a referral. Um, so that if if you've gone say on a GP mental health care plan, um, they when you usually the first session will be um, meeting the person. Uh, they will do do a, a bit of an assessment where they'll be asking quite a lot of questions um, with regards to. Um, background and what sort of symptoms and difficulties that you're experiencing um, but of of course in a, in a way um, that's also of a fits with the pace um, that you need as well um, sometimes that can be quite confronting for people so it's important to also um, have that it talk to the psychologist that you're seeing around um, ar around how you around making sure that the pace of of actually doing that assessment is um, a good fit for you uh, in the second um, in the second session there might be a little bit more assessment um, happening but then there'll be a, um, a, and or maybe at the end of the first one as well possibly there will be a conversation around uh, what the around what the treatment plan looks like um, and they will talk to you about the um, different uh, modalities in terms of evidence-based um, treatment approaches and what that plan looks like and um, moving forward with in the sessions. And then from the sort of second session onwards, uh, you will end, if it's under a GP mental health care plan, it will be six initially. Um, you will then move through that treatment plan um, and they the psychologist will talk to you about what that about what that looks like. The other, the other thing I would uh, say around that is, uh, it's important to find the um, find a find a, a health professional, whether it be a, a GP, psychologist, or or any other that feels like a good fit for you, um, where you feel like you can have that therapeutic alliance and be able to work together to achieve your goals of of having psychology. Um, so that, that that's definitely an important thing. So if you find that you're not finding that you're not quite gelling, um, or, or for some reason it doesn't feel like a good fit for someone for with a person, then um, certainly do think think about your other options for um, seeing somebody 
that might be a good fit for you uh, rather than not getting any um, support at all. That's important. One of the, the other things that, that I've heard from uh, various people is that it can be can, can be somewhat unhelpful to really force people to talk in the early stages. Um, I don't know if you can talk to that at all. Yeah, it, it can it can be unhelpful to force people to force people to talk in the early stages. Uh, it's not um, forcing people. Everybody's really different. Um, it, people have different reactions and different perceptions and uh, they and people have different ways that are familiar to them uh, in terms of coping with something so ideally ideally we want people to uh, use to in in the early piece and certainly afterwards we want people to gravitate towards the familiar and helpful coping strategies that they would typically use because that's going to be ideally familiar and helpful for them to manage um, what they might be experiencing. So um, we we don't want to, if if you're forcing somebody to talk about something, you're 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 moving them away from their natural um, their natural resources um, and coping strategies that they might typically use to support their resilience. Um, it also, as well, it you, forcing people to talk um, is is not helpful um, because everybody's everybody is. It's also a very individual thing with regards to what's who's with regards to who is going to be that right person to talk to. Um, so. Often, often people, and it is helpful for people to talk to someone, but at the right time and with the right person for them. Um, so it, that's that's really important. They need to feel they need to feel they need to feel like um, it's the timing's right for them and the person um, is right for them. And so forcing them to talk in their early stages when it's not right for the person isn't helpful. Um, and, and you know, we know when from the, um, say, the when we look at the research around what evidence, what's the evidence base and in terms of being effective and helpful for people in the immediate aftermath, it's psychological first aid, which um, as opposed to, psychological debriefing so with psychological first aid where we're helping people to restore their safety whether it be their physical or psychological safety which is definitely about not putting pressure on people rather rather removing any physical hazards away from them um, making sure that they feel psychologically safe so not pressuring them in any way making them feel um, like their privacy and dignity is is protected and maintained um, another principle around that is supporting someone's self-efficacy. So supporting a person to be able to to be able to come up with the um, with the solutions and that are going to um, that are going to be helpful for them, um, rather than um, jumping in or uh, jumping in with um, other with other suggestions that may may not be the, quite the right fit for that person. Uh, you want to convey some hope. Um, that's important, and you want to be able to uh, you want to be able to to help people link in with who is going to be 
the who is going to feel like the right person for them in terms of um, talking to someone about how they're traveling. Um, that's a good fit for that person. I would also I would also add with mentioning psychological debriefing there. Um, that's that's really about that the issue with that and is that it's not effective and potentially for some people it can be harmful. Um, and it, it the one of the issues with that is that it assumes everybody's ready to confront the experience um, at the same time, and that's not that's not um, that's typically not the case. Um, in that everybody, pe pe it's a very individual thing as to when people are ready to um, to to talk about and confront their experiences, and some people need need um, some particular support around that. Um, so, so we, we, we've discussed a little bit, uh, you know, the potential of a, a trauma reaction. We've gone into trauma in some detail. Uh, obviously, that's not the, the only impact we see after a after a natural disaster. Um, it's one of those more severe impacts that can be really disruptive to someone's life. Um, but do you have any advice more generally? Maybe someone's been impacted, you know, financially, or they've had some property damage. Uh, they might not be experiencing a trauma, but it has knocked them a little bit. They might not be feeling quite themselves. Uh, is there any sort of general advice that we could, um, you know, provide where um, a, a really good starting point uh, to really support our, our mental and physical health in terms of from a psychologist's perspective? Yeah, ab absolutely. So do do the things that do draw on the things that you would normally draw on with to to support yourself when there's any other stresses. So do some get do some movement. Um, whether that be go, whether you whether you go to the gym, whether you go running, whether you go for walking, whether you do um, yoga, whatever it may be, um, or eat, just just do some get do some sort of physical move exercise or movement. Um, look after your physical well being. So make sure that you're make sure that you're eating your meals. Um, even if even if you your appetite is um, has changed and you've got some disruption in that, make sure that you do eat um, and that you do eat eat meals like you normally would. Um, so the I think uh, um, the typical recommendation is three meals a day. Um, do you know and also hydrate, drink plenty of water, um, look after look after your physical well-being in any other way that you need to so take the time to do that um, take the time to 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 do any of those self-soothing or um, coping strategies that you might have a repertoire uh, of so for some people they are for some people it's it's also exercise for other people um, they might um, they they might do some mindfulness practice uh, for other people, they go to, they they have some activities that they go to, such as a, a and do craft or um, painting or dancing or singing or whatever it may be that they would typically do that gives them some sense of um, of of enjoyment. Um, do also take some time to 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 just process what's um, gone on. So that might be um, trying to create a little bit more space 
um, and time for yourself um, to be able to feel a little bit more calm, um, feel a little bit more eased, at ease, do some relaxation things. So um, for some people, um, they would, for some people, they will just be able to just have, have some time to themselves um, to sit and effectively not do much at all and just enjoy a nice, um, a nice cup of coffee. For other people, they will have a massage or have a long bath or um, do whatever they need to do. Other people distract their mind and they will um, they will be busy doing some activity like building something or tinkering in the shed or um, reading. That might be an activity that some people do. Um, the other thing is to reach out to, to your support network. So identify those, think about those people who make you, who you feel comfortable with to talk about um, some of your experiences or, um, or talk or, or not, you know, you don't even necessarily have to do that. If it's, if you don't feel like that's right for you, you can just connect and talk about um, other things that you normally would talk about, but making sure that you're getting that social connection um, rather than feeling isolated that's really important um, and you know do when that when the time is um, when the time is right for you do seek some support professional support if you feel like you need that um, as well that can always be helpful and that will be through your GP um, and try and and try and where you can problem solve out any 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 stresses that you can um, so think about think about what's within your control um, what your options may be analyze those different options and then try and select the one that that is going to be the best um, option for you and try and problem solve those things out so they don't um, they don't draw on and try and get into some try and try and do some things that feel routine um, for you as well. So there's some general there there's some general things, um, and you know hopefully hopefully a person has through their experiences um, can can reflect on what has helped me before to be able to get through some difficult times, um, and often for people it's the their supportive relationships, it's their helpful coping strategies that they might have already developed and they might be aware of physical movement and exercise. Um, getting that's the other thing. Getting sleep, trying to get as trying to get some sleep as much as um, as as much as you can to to help to help your body um, and getting back to some of those basic things um, in terms of looking after yourself as well. If you're not sure where to start, the the other thing to note is to monitor your uh, monitor and manage your mental well being. Uh, just like you would your physical well-being. So if you notice a change in your mental well-being, um, then go and seek some support um, around that as early as possible. Um, and that might be support from your personal networks, but it also might be support professionally. By con and that my first step might be going and speaking with your GP. Um, that's that's really important um, to seek that support early and and think about it like a like you would with a physical um 
like you would with your physical well-being. So if you uh, if you have a mole, for example, and you've noticed that it's changed in size or colour, you're probably going to go and see your GP uh, about it. You're probably not going to let your mole that's changed, um, you're probably not going to just, just uh, ignore that um, for several months uh, you're probably you're probably going to go and and mention it to your GP um, and have a and have and flag it so do do that as well with your apply the same type of idea with your mental well-being as well so if you notice a change um, then go and talk to go and talk, go and seek some support and 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 flag it with your GP um, the other the other point to make is you know we've talked about resilience and it's it's important to um, know that resilience is a it's a dynamic concept it changes over time um, as at some point in time in our lives uh, we may be feeling particularly resilient in other at other points in time we're feeling less so so and and resilience uh, is a it, resilience is is not uh, soldiering on and carrying on, kind of um, keeping on with things until you um, find that you can't keep on anymore, and you're um, finding that you're experiencing um, mental ill health and and you're unable to function like you normally would be. That's that's not resilience. That's sort of soldiering on, and then um, to a point where you actually aren't you're distressed and or, and or unable to function like you normally would resilience resilience is uh, is supported by noticing that you'll have periods where you don't um, where you where you might be struggling a little bit but you having a good um, having some coping strategies that are helpful that are on board having a good social support network looking after your physical well-being getting some professional help doing all of those doing all the things that you need to do to take care of yourself to to be able to adapt and adjust um, from that experience um, to feeling more uh, more more mentally well and um, and and hopefully feeling much better in yourself so re resilience is is about having having all of that that supports your capacity to be able to adapt and adjust to adversity and stresses that come along um, it's it's not carrying on um, and not being kind it's not carrying on and not looking after yourself for a really long period of time until you until you can't do that anymore at all um, so that's that's important to know because uh, often people will carry on and you know think they're okay and um, and soldier on and then find that they're just they 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 just um, aren't able to do it one, anymore. Um, or there'll be a particular stress or event that will come along whereby they just, um, they find that they then, they're really not um, okay. So it's it's important to um, to think about that um, when we talk, when, we, when we're considering resilience. Oh, you've covered some really fantastic points there, Stephanie. Um, I, I think you know the key, the key part there where you were, you were talking about you know part of being resilient response is, is really getting the right support earlier, and, and that, that's absolutely a, 
a part of resilience. Um, you know, people often think about resilience as just sort of soldiering on and getting through. Um, I certainly appreciate your time tonight. And uh, for those people listening, certainly go along and have a look at the, the website at smalltalkbigdifference.com.au um, and certainly have a look at some of those resources, uh, other stories and also practical strategies that you can use um, you know, when we are impacted by disaster um, because it does have significant impacts on many of us. Um, we're in a in a state where we will be facing more of these so it's good to be prepared and i certainly appreciate all your insights again and thank you for joining us tonight it's been fantastic thanks thanks for having me you've been listening to the royal flying doctor service podcast for the queensland section the small talk big difference campaign is proudly funded by the commonwealth and queensland governments through the disaster recovery funding arrangements if you would like to know more, you can go to the campaign website, smalltalkbigdifference.com.au. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, keep in touch by subscribing.